Hello and welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast. My name is John Reynolds, the host. This week we're talking to three bosses of newish startups and talking about how they're faring in 2020 amid the pandemic and what they think will be the long-standing changes in advertising created by COVID-19. So we're pleased to be joined by Will Arnold Baker, the co-founder of the creative agency club Come the Glorious Day, Sally Weavers, founder of Com Strategy Agency, Craft Media, and Ben Walker, co-founder of Creative Agency, Who, What, Why. Uh, thanks all very much for joining me. Uh, we're going to talk about your agency shortly, but I just wanted to run through uh, just a couple of news stories first up. So first up, let's talk about Nick Emery, the global CEO and founder of WPP-owned media agency Mindshare, who has been fired after an office prank went wrong. So according to reports, Emery, who I think is in his 50s, uh, took a webcam into the toilet during a video conference call and, uh, according to reports, flashed his bottom. Uh, WPP said Emery had left after a breach of a company policy. So I'll start with you, Will. I guess the obvious question is to ask, have you ever exposed a part of your anatomy in an, in, in an indecent manner during a company meeting? Wow, that's put me on the spot, hasn't it? Not that I'm aware of, John. Um, <laughs> I, I've been slightly facetious, but more, more broadly, does it strike you as a does, does it strike you as a harsh reaction to what, what what's happened to Nick Emery? Yeah, look, in some ways it does. I mean, there's clearly an amusing angle to this, and I, I was slightly drawn to the um, the parallels between Britain and America in politics at the moment. That every time our politicians do something stupid, uh, America adopts the hold my beer pose and does something stupider. Because there was a story that broke very quickly afterwards of a guy called Jeff Tubin, who I think worked for the New Yorker, yeah. who was caught doing something rather rather more nefarious than just going to the toilet. Um, so yeah, other than that parallel, I thought in the end, and I know you're going to come on and talk about this, John, it was slightly symptomatic of the kind of cabin fever um, that has become the norm with working from home and doing endless video and Zoom calls. And I actually, I felt really sorry for the guy. I, I, I don't know the details around the story. Um, it's quite possibly an overreaction. Having said that, clearly, you know, it was a senior group of people and he probably shouldn't have done it and it was misjudged. But um, from what I can gather, he's a good bloke. Um, he's a good operator. He's been in the business a long time. And it seemed like, seemed to me like a, a sad way to lose your job and possibly a slightly prissy overreaction from WPP. But like I say, I don't really know the guy, so I'm sure the others will. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, all of you, about uh, Intel's kind of video Zoom calls. I mean, I do them, but they tend to be like 15 or 20 minutes. I guess they can be kind of long and tortuous and interminable. So sometimes they perhaps need a bit of uh, livening up. Well, but, uh, but I mean, you, you can see how, how, how this kind of thing could materialise. Totally. I mean, I'm sure Ben and Sally will have a view as well, but I think um, I can totally see how it materialised. I can also see that actually at the end of a week that he, in his head it probably seemed like a funny idea and perhaps, you know, perhaps the execution of it went a bit too far. I don't know. It, you know, it clearly misfired. Okay, Sally, do you know uh, Nick Emery and do you think this will have material consequences if you worked at WP? I don't know how many people WPP employs, but it'll be tens of thousands. So they could read this story and potentially be kind of alter their behavior. They could be worried about kind of cracking jokes at work now, could they? Yeah. You know what? I, um, I think it maybe was a bit of an overreaction from WPP. Um, and they've lost, a they've lost a real, um, you, you, if you cut Nick Henry, he bleeds purple blood. He's absolutely mindshare through and through. So 
I, I feel a bit I feel a bit sorry for him because he probably thought he knew people well enough and he could get away with it. But he's also the most he is the the, the most senior exec within that organisation, and you have to hold um, he has to hold himself to really high standards. Um, and he should have absolutely thought about that before he did it. Um, so yeah, feel really, really gutted for him. I also feel gutted for his team actually, because I think, from what I understand, he was a he was super popular um, and a really good leader. Uh, so it's a, just a real. It feels quite out of character, I think, um, and uh, yeah, just a, a a really poor situation for everyone. Do you think it, Do you think it will impact people at WPB? Do, do you think they'll think twice now about kind of uh, cracking jokes and alter their behaviour in light of this? Then? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you know, it, it we, as Will said, we've all we're all starting to get cabin fever now. You know, the first six months we could cope with, the second six months feels like it's going to be a really hard slog. And I think that you know there are there are different ways of bringing entertainment and lightheartedness to Zoom calls. Perhaps flashing your bottom isn't one of them, but um, you know there are. Uh, it is going to be really difficult. Um, and I think you've got to you've got to lighten up a little bit, otherwise. Uh, Everyone's going to be yeah, going madder than they are at the moment. OK, Ben, I'll bring you in. If one of your colleagues had done something similar on a video call, something, something salacious, what would your reaction be? I mean, would, would, you, be, um, would, you, would you be surprised? Or, I mean, do you think it's a firing offence? Oh, blimey. I mean, I don't know, Nick, and I don't really know about this story. It's, I'm sort of learning about it now, but it sounds a bit unfortunate and it just sounds like he misjudged his audience, and, you know, unfortunately, you can't, you can't do that. You certainly can't do that at that level. You know, when, when you move up to that level, you've just got to make sure you understand what impact your actions have, and I think it, it sounds to me like momentarily uh, he forgot about that, and it, it just it sounds like a real shame that you've got to, yeah, you've got to know your audience. I think amongst us uh, who, what, why have it happened, uh, Again, it's <laughs> such a difficult one. I think I think we'd all laugh it off because we all know each other incredibly well. But at the same time, I, I think no one would probably do it. So, you know, I can see both sides of the argument, but it just sounds like a real shame, the whole thing. And uh, yeah, I guess there might be a different yeah. difference between culture, isn't it? If, if it's a big holding company to a smaller well, agency. This is it. I mean, I was going to start by saying you, you said you, you said he got fired because of breaching company policy, and, and I was going to say that I would never join any company that wouldn't allow me to show my ass. Basically, <laughs> 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 there you go. Maybe maybe the answer's in there somewhere. You know, if you're part of a big corporate um, giant and a monolith, you know, um, you've got to behave in a different way. I think, and that's why. Maybe those places attract those different kind of people who are going to um, uh, kick up a, kick up a fuss when those sort of things happen, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, and, and more broadly, I know, I guess you've been working from home a lot this uh, year. Have, do you think standards generally have been uh, more lax, not to the extent of people exposed themselves, but people, have you found at your agency that some people kind of slightly are not approaching work with the same rigour uh, because of being working from home or have you kind of, you don't think standards have dropped? I, it's a really, really important question that I was, I was having this conversation with everyone at, at Who, What, Why uh, on Friday 
you know, my personal opinion is that um, I think working from home gives people the opportunity to drop their standards somewhat. But when I floated that with everyone at the board, I was absolutely caged because because the, the fact is that since lockdown, we've all actually worked a lot lot harder, and I'm sure it's going to be the same from the other two. Um, mm. So it wasn't it wasn't a uh, you know it wasn't. I wasn't pointing it at any of our staff whatsoever, but I just feel when I'm on calls sometimes, you know, I look at myself and I go, would I really be in a tracksuit if I was at work now doing this call? And you sort of start to wonder and go, you know, does that mean that you're just not quite on it enough? And so, you know, I've been trying to go into work as much as possible and and do as as few Zoom calls as possible. But I have to say that um, from the rest Rest of the, almost all the rest of the staff felt that no standards hadn't dropped. In fact, they'd probably got, got even higher in our case. I presume you're in a tr- tracksuit today, Sally. What's, what's your what's your take on that? Do you think you've seen a a, a drop in kind of rigor and, and standards now that you've been working from home this year, or have you not noticed that? No, I haven't noticed that. In fact, I think I mean I sort of calculated the other day that um, pre pre pandemic, I probably did three or four hours of good work a day. Um, and the rest of the time, I pretty much asked about, um, you know, uh, coffees and walking to and from meetings and chatting, you know, just general chit chat, um, all of which is very, really useful, actually. And it's the bit that I miss most out of life. But now I, I and my team, we seem to be working, you know, consistently 10 hour, 12 hour days, just just, you know, bashing through projects. Um, so no, I don't think standards have fallen. I think um, quality of working life has fallen. <laughs> um, I think you know, like you know, we've all we've all mentioned that sort of cabin fever and and sitting and looking at screens all day. I'm even looking at a screen now, and I can't even see you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can't see Ben in his tracksuit and me in my. What's your take on this too? Have you seen any drop in standards? Do you think? Yeah, it's funny. I'm kind of between the two actually. So, um, uh, like Sally, um, uh, she didn't quite say this, but I kind of missed the asking about. <laughs> I think asking about is really important for a creative agency, and um, I think standards haven't dropped. So I would, um, I would say that our guys um, like. Ben and Sally have said are all working as hard as they ever have. Um, I think efficiency's gone up because I think people are able to do stuff fast and you know, and actually there's, there are fewer distractions in some ways working from home. But I think we definitely miss the um, the osmosis effect of people taking the piss out of each other, of mm. inappropriate jokes, not quite getting your ass out, but um, <laughs> things that cause you know disagreements and arguments that actually spark creative ideas. And so. Um, when we've had big kind of creative projects to do, I think quite relatively early on we spotted this. And obviously, you know, in, in, in March and April, there was bugger all you could do about it because we were properly locked down. But by the time things loosened up, we certainly, you know, we didn't go into the office actually. Um, partly, I live out in the sticks. Um, so, but certainly the partners, when we were working on projects together, we'd try and get together, you know, either where I live or where Steve or Matt lives and do creative development, certainly the kind of big headline stuff together. Um, and get you know get a fast start because we were missing the um, kind of injection of creativity. Everything was just slightly flatter than normal. Okay. Yeah, I okay. that. sorry, I, I sort of feel no, like no, 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 no. I sort of feel like you know our 
our our Zooms, our our Google Hangouts have become very functional. So it's a list of things that I've got to do and a list of things that you've got to do. And then when we've done them, we'll, we'll get back together and tell each other that we've done them. And it's the sort of chewing the fat and, um, you know, knocking creative ideas around that I miss the most, really. That's, you know, that's the hardest bit. Yeah, okay. I, I, I would also say, John, that, you know, this idea of asking about or you know, having coffees and wandering around yeah. and chatting. But for, for me, that is work. And it's as, yeah, much, yeah. Work, it's as much work as, um, you know, bashing away on the keyboard. And um, so w- when I talk about standards dropping, I, I, mm. I sincerely mean that, you know, the lack of um, wandering around and, and having chat, I think, I think doesn't, doesn't help. It doesn't help the creative agency. So... You know, the sooner we can get back to it or get systems in place that mean we can still do it virtually, which is what we try to do, then the better. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to talk about this in more detail. Just one more news story. Uh, I think I noticed that there's been a, a several or a number of uh, new uh, agency launches, which is, I guess is good for the industry. Uh, I think Mother have launched uh, an, an offshoot agency, and an, an agency called uh, Friendly Giants has has launched. So. Starting uh, with you, uh, Sally, I mean, do you think it's, uh, I guess, um, conventional thinking would be that it's not a good time to launch, uh, in in the midst of a global crisis, it's not a good time to launch an agency or or a business? Or do you think there are merits to launching a a business amidst a a global crisis? Yeah, I think there's real merits, actually. I think that the, the, the way that we're working now is sort of leveled the playing field. So as a, as a new client, I don't know whether um, the six people on the screen that I'm looking at for a pitch, for example, I don't know what their working environment is like necessarily. You don't know what your office is like. Um, so I'm just, I'm just uh, reacting to what you tell me, how, you, how I engage mm-hmm. with you, not your surroundings. Um, and I think that that means that smaller agencies have got just as much opportunity to convert in, in a new business pitch as a, as a larger one, because there's nothing that distracts from from the quality of their thinking. Um, so yeah, uh, Will, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I think I broadly agree, um, John. I think I'm not sure there's, there's such a thing as a good time or a bad time to launch an agency anymore. Um, having said that, you know, a global pandemic is pretty unprecedented. So I kind of raised half an eyebrow, and I've seen at least three. Actually, you mentioned two. There was another one that um, Emily Summers, who was, um, I think she's yeah. been client-side at either McDonald's or Burger King, um, and before that she was a, a pretty senior suit at places like Abermead, and she's, she's gone into business with someone um, with a, a vaguely different model. Um, first of all, from, from an independent agency perspective, and have, having launched our own agency you know, less than three years ago, um, I find it brilliant that other people are doing it. Having made the jump... Um, uh, you just got to applaud their kind of bravery, whatever the circumstances. But um, in terms of whether agencies prosper or do badly because they launch in bad times, I'm not sure. I mean, I've worked I, as a, on my way up. I worked with Rainy Kelly Campbell Rolf and Duck with Finn, which is now defunct. But both were um, pretty successful agencies, and both launched into the teeth of a big recession. And if you talk to Jim Kelly or Mickey Finn at the time, they'd say it made them hungrier. So I think yeah. you do an attitude. Um, yes. And I think you've got just as much chance in good times and bad times as a startup of winning business. It's about how you hustle for it and who you know and how much imagination you've got. So um, I hope they do well. I, the, the physical thing, I think, is a bit different with um, with COVID in that some re- whether this is right or wrong. And like Ben, I kind of agree that the office is a pretty good environment. Um, but there is um, 
most new business clients want to see where you live. Um, and, and, you know, probably it is wrong in the modern age, but evidence that you exist rather than those mm. kind of virtual collection of freelancers um, is seemingly important, particularly to intermediated new business pitches. So the AAR, you know, constantly turning up, you know, you know, a big gaggle of people with, you know, a bit of Martin Jones and lots of clients and the same with Oyster Catchers. And I think um, that's going to be hard for those new startups to start with. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and Ben, I, it's not like for like, but you, you, you often read features, don't you, about great businesses like um, uh, I think Walt Disney launched in the 1920s during the, the Great Depression and Airbnb launched during the last uh, financial crisis. So like the other two, can you see some merits if you were to launch during a, a global crisis? Yeah, 100%. I, I don't think there's a better time to launch you. you you're up for the fight. There's so much change happening in, you know, in the bit, the area that you're going into uh, that you can exploit. Um, and yeah, I think it's. I really do think it's the the, the best time. Lubinet was a, another one. Lubinet launched through the just up around the Great Depression. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Didn't do bad, did he? <laughs> Okay, let, let, let's move on. We've got lots to get through. I just want each of you just to give me two minutes on your agencies and just just an overview. And also, if you can just give me your, your kind of two big takeaways from what's happened this year, whether that be, whether that be you've learned something new about yourself or or your staff or any any mistakes or something you might take to take on uh, post pandemic. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Will. Yeah, very good. Um, so I'm Will. I'm one of three founders of an agency called Come the Glorious Day. We're a creative advertising agency. We started um, just about three years ago, actually. Um, and for those of us kind of old enough, the name riffs off an observation of Wolfie Smith in Citizen Smith, um, who was kind of revolutionary. Um, the irony being that the, the glorious day of revolution never actually comes. So um, there's something in that. Um, we, we're a creative agency, advertising agency. We unashamedly call ourselves an av- advertising agency in a time when um, a lot of agencies tried not to, um, amusingly. But I think, you know, we view advertising as a broad church, so we will produce things in most media channels. And our shtick, if you like, and one should be rightly suspicious of agencies' positionings, but our shtick is um, we try and create um, things that are a bit more permanent, so advertising properties that pay back over time. So whether that's an an iconic character for a a brand like Worcester the Cat for Worcester Bosch Boilers, or, you know, it could be a slogan or whatever. But um, broadly, we look at advertising as, a, as an investment that should pay back rather than something to fill a, a kind of a media schedule with lots of X's in thousands of digital channels, of which there are now. Um, who, who are your clients? You mentioned one now. Who are your other clients? Yeah, yeah. so um, our, our founding client was um, Polaroid Cameras. So we relaunched Polaroid after they'd um, gone bust not once but twice uh, globally. Um, they, uh, we launched the first new analog film, instant film camera, globally um, uh, within about six months of, of opening, which was an interesting one and a bit of an ask and very cool and creative. Uh, and from there, we've picked up St. John Ambulance, who we've been working with for most of the last three years, um, Worcester Bosch Boilers, um, Odeon, and Blue Vapes are probably our key kind of clients at the moment with one or two others along the sidelines as well. I guess Odeon's an interesting one. And what, what are your big ta- two big takeaways then? Well, takeaways are the times we live in. Um, I think, you know, it has been interesting and, you know, actually... So if you, if you did a bit of analysis of the clients that we work with, uh, and I'm sure everyone's experienced this a bit, but we were hit scarily hard when, um, when COVID hit in the cinemas shut. So suddenly, you know, Odeon weren't spending any money. St. John Ambulance gets, derives most of their income 
from being the cheerful first aid people at Premiership football matches, and and then actually events of every size, down to little people, little kind of garden fates and stuff. So suddenly they weren't getting income from that, so that was pretty scary. Um, Blue vapes weren't, you know, no one was socialising outside pubs anymore. So pretty much all our clients kind of switched temporarily switched their spend to zero. Um, so I suppose my first um, my first takeaway was after the initial kind of panic set in, would be hold your nerve. Um, we we just moved from 300 square feet of fairly dingy um, Farringdon basement to 3,000 square feet of fairly glorious um, Clark and Well kind of old print works. And I'd literally just finished refurbishing it. So we we're on the hook for a big lease as well. And in the end, if you're good enough and you know what you're doing, the business is well run, run enough, it'll come back. So I think, you know, after, after we panicked a bit, you realize that everyone's in the same boat and it's, you know, stabilized relatively fast. So holding over would be the first thing. And I think second big takeaway is, um, is probably, you know, my background is um, strategy and account handling, really. So I was MD of publicist before, before here. Um, and some of the kind of central things that are true of our industry remain true or become truer, I think, in, um, in something like a pandemic. So, and I suppose the big one would be whilst the temptation is to think about your own business and mm-hmm. chase, chase new business or, or business from it or organic growth from existing clients with a what can you do for me? Um, all our businesses are found, founded on what we can do for clients. So finding a way of um, over-empathizing with the position your clients find themselves in. So actually, we ended up doing quite a lot of, a lot of pro bono work for St. John Ambulance, who in normal times are a paying client. But yeah. given that they'd lost you know, hundreds of millions of income, we did their um, emergency appeal to stop them going bankrupt for, you know, to the tune of, you know, thousands of hours over March, April, May, um, and which, which is the right thing to do. And we also ended up looking at um, the strategic direction of Odeon and what they might do and scenario planning for them. So that would be my, my second takeaway, which is, you know, remember your empathy gene uh, mm-hmm. start there. Okay, ben, does that chime with you, the, uh, the holding the nerve and the uh, remembering your uh, empathy, Gene? A bit of an overview of the agency, too. Yeah, no, 100% it chimes with me. Uh, we're another creative agency, but we were founded by three creatives because we think that creativity is the most powerful tool in the marketing mix. And I don't know, over the, I mean, I've been in the business 30 years, but I think over the last 10 years or so, I've seen that belief disappear in a lot of places and good places as well that I've worked at. It's felt it's been felt that creativity is this kind of commodity that you can bring in and out with freelance and it just isn't. You know, you need creative people. They're the people that are gonna connect uh, customers emotionally with brands and that's the thing that's gonna really get you massive business results. So, you know, three creative bots thought we'd set up an agency and we wondered whether the building would uh, burn down but four years later with we're doing well. Um, yeah, I mean, you say that. I mean, is, is that a challenge, then? Because I guess there's a lot of, um, I don't know if you furloughed stuff, but there's a lot of government guidance to follow. I mean, there's, there's a big HR play, isn't there? Was, is that, I mean, as you, you build yourself as three creative types running the agency. I guess that's presents or presented quite a big challenge, I think. Well, important, importantly for us, uh, um, this doesn't mean that we think that no one should furlough people, by the way. Everyone's got to do what they've got to do, but we made a decision very early on that we were going to invest in people and we're going to invest in our staff. And the first two months of lockdown were financially awful. And we 
looked at what was going on and we went, right, what are we going to do here? But we said, actually, let's hold firm. Let's not furlough anyone at all. Uh, let's invest in people because we believe in our, in our staff. And, you know, a couple of months later, it, it worked out because all those businesses that were looking for a change, they were coming to people like us and we were ready. You know, we were ready and able and, you know, we, we took advantage of that. So I, I think one of the big things I would say, from our point of view only, I have to stress that, is that if investing in people is the most important thing. We, we try not to have a freelance culture. We do get freelancers in occasionally, but we are much more of the mindset that we want the most brilliant people and we don't want anyone else to have them. So <laughs> hire them, basically. And that's what we've been doing. And in fact, we've managed to do that over over the, um, the lockdown period as well, which has been really, really lovely. But very strange not to meet some of the people that <laughs> you've hired. Okay. That's, that's, I guess, Sally, does, does what Will and Ben said, does that, does that chime with you too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that there's a, um, an element of generosity, I think, that needs to come into play um, when, you, when you're in the middle of a situation like this. And we've tried to be as generous as possible with our time, with our ideas. Um, so, you know, how can we help is, is very much a, a, a mantra, I suppose. Um, whether, whether there's anything in, for, in it for us or not, it's more about just being present and helping, helping other agencies um, keep going, really. Um, we are uh, very small. So uh, we're craft, craft media. We're only uh, seven people. Um, female founded, which is, shouldn't be interesting or important, but it actually is. It's quite different in the, in the media world. Um, and we sit in that messy middle between creative and media audiences, so trying to sort of properly um, join everything up behind a really robust comm strategy. Um, so making sure that both creative and media agencies know what they're meant to be doing um, that creates the distinction and difference for our clients. So uh, that's what we do. So there's no one else, I, I don't think, at the moment in the in the UK, certainly, that, that's doing that. We're going for a couple, two and a half years. Didn't, when I read the story about your launch, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. Didn't didn't you make the point of saying that you you're only employing kind of senior, experienced people too? Did you? Yeah, yeah, and we still only do. Um, so everyone that works at Craft is a, a a proper grown up. So we all have sort of anywhere between twelve and my thirty years experience. Um, and and that's important, I think, because the average age of media agencies is getting younger and younger. And I think the importance of the of the advice that we're giving clients is is uh, is growing. Um, and we need to, we need to make sure that we've got people who can hold a room, who can make a decision on the spot, um, and who can change a conversation if needed. So um, yeah, only senior people doesn't help. And just, just- and just on you, on you, Sally. I guess part of what you do is, is generating uh, new business. I, I mean, new businesses. Have you kind of written that off in twenty twenty? Or no, man alive. I I have realised how good I am at street fighting for business. Actually, um, I mean, it was a bit scrappy across March, April, May. Um, we only work on projects anyway, um, but. Uh, from about May onwards, we've really started to pull in um, project after project after project. There's a, a real need, I think, from from uh, for good senior advice um, that that clients don't have to buy into 
forever on a on a sort of a weighty retainer. So, yeah, sort of nimble pricing, fast turnaround, um, and and good advice seems to be chiming quite well. Uh, have you all three of you have you found clients increasingly moving to project based work? And is that I mean, from a cash flow point of view, what's that, what are the implications of that? Will maybe? Yeah, so I think um, uh, Sally's experience of um, of new business probably chimes with us as well. Um, uh, to your project question, John, yeah, I mean, I think that's been the sort of drift anyway. The kind of the notion of retainer is a bit of an anathema, really. Even the big agencies, their retainers are based on pretty well um, worked out with you know with procurement uh, project sheet. So there'll be a bunch of projects strung together. So it, the whole thing that, you know, is a bit of a myth anyway. Having said that, obviously you get bigger and smaller things. You know, we work on a mixture of project and permanent retained clients. Um, we we came second on a big global telco pitch during the summer, which was um, frustrating, but we were up against a good company. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways, you know, when we licked our wounds and kind of and, and reflected on it, um, we kind of went, actually, we were punching kind of our weight anyway. And um, we were pleased to have been part of it. And actually, we got on really well with them. And from a client perspective, it, particularly in a kind of Zoom era, it was a really well-run pitch. So I think, you know, we came second because of what we did, not because we're whinging about the client's decision-making. And we've picked up one or two other bits of business as well. Um, you know, so it's it's not been a normal year, I would say. And I think it does chime the project thing. I think normally we'd, we would we were anticipating, you know, like Ben and, and like Sally, we've grown every mm-hmm. year. And, you know, if you're half decent at what you do, that should be the case. So, you know, we were looking at this year and that curve carrying on. And I think we've slightly recalibrated our expectations, partly because what we have won is um, is probably of a lower order in terms of income and partly because our existing clients are you know, genuinely spending a lot less. So um, it's become about a, a year of kind of uh, consolidation and a bit of growth rather than a kind of stellar year of growth. But that's life. Ben, is that the same for you too? Fantastic. Just on the, you all touched on the, the working from home uh, compared to the office. Just, 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 just for clarity, do, do smaller shops, businesses like yours in, in the post-pandemic world actually need a, a physical office? I know you touched on that. Can Sally? I mean, is, is your plans to have a, have an office, and how will that change moving forward post-pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think we're 
Yeah, I think we'll have a space that we can come to maybe one or two days a week, but that I, I'm not sure that we necessarily need need a place five for full, you know, a seat for everyone five days a week. I feel like I feel like we're very much a, we need a round table, we need a you know a kitchen table in the corner of an office somewhere where we can just sit and brainstorm. Okay, well. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in on that. I think Sally, just for what it's worth, I think Sally's um, crafts business model is peripatetic anyway, so I think that they could go into lots of agencies and work from lots of different places at the moment. Um, we have an office. Um, we toy, When we first launched, we did toy with the idea of being kind of virtual, but I think um, for a couple of reasons, it has suited us to have offices. Um, and Ben, I think, touched on this right at the beginning. For me, human beings are innately social, and Zoom doesn't quite do it for me. When I've when I've got together with Matt and Steve, my creative partners, on big stuff over the summer, Jesus, we've made um, progress quickly, and you know, in a much more imaginative way. And I think there's something about creative agencies and co-location and being able to look clients in the eye, and you know, and we're pretty collaborative with how we work as well. So you know, we actually relish interaction with clients physically and getting stuff and changing stuff and making stuff and improving stuff. And I don't think you can do that easily on Zoom. So. Um, I think I think we'll definitely go back to and keep physical space. I'm also really, really sceptical about the pronouncements you see in the press about the world will never be the same again. I think mm-hmm. societies in general have a, quite a lot of fabric memory. They tend to go back to how they were in some degree. You know, I remember when the banking crisis hit, and I was at a big agency at the time, and there was a whole lot of doom and gloom. It'll never be the same again. Do you know what? It pretty much was the same again about six months later. So um, I think hopefully there'll be some improvements and I see quite a lot of hype of agencies talking about how they've created a new working environment and it's going to be you know, two days in, three days out, or the other way around or whatever. You know, it's kind of only how we work anyway. We're pretty flexible with our staff. We trust all our, all our workforce to do the right thing. If people want to work from home in normal circumstances, they can do. So um, I think that will carry on. But, yeah, we'll, keep, we'll definitely keep an office. I like the term fabric. Me- what was that term you used there? Fabric memory. Yeah, I've not heard stretch it and then it just kind of goes back to what it was. Okay, right. Okay, and and uh, Ben, I mean, the, the, uh, creative creative people talk a lot about culture, don't they? Which is kind of like a, an amorphous, uh, difficult term to, to um, kind of uh, put your finger on. But I guess you can't get that culture is the, the kind of crux of it. Working from home. No, no, that's exactly right. I mean, I think if you go around some agencies and you look at their office, and you can understand why people are so delighted that um, that they that they you know, can work from home now, but we've, we've spent three years building a really lovely office, which is, you know, facilitates people having fun, working hard, being together, and I, I personally can't wait to get back there. That, that's not to say that uh, working from home or working remotely doesn't have huge benefits, and I think that over this um, lockdown, we've kind of learned a little bit more how we can utilise those benefits and make them work for us. But, yeah, you need... I, I personally think you need a working space that people enjoy coming into and are drawn to. You know, we, we want to draw in the best people in the business, and I don't think you can do that on a Zoom call. I think they, people, when they come into our office, they, they say, oh, I love it in here, you know, and <laughs> you don't get that on a Zoom call. So it's really, for me personally, it's very, very important, and I think it's important for the agents as well so we'll be hanging on to ours uh, uh, for as long as we can uh, okay um, th- that's fantastic just um, I-, I think there's a lot of coverage in the in the, in the press about uh, senior bosses at the big holding companies taking 
taking pay cuts. Uh, did each of you uh, take a take a pay cut, and is that a kind of a long term pay cut? If so, Sally. Yeah, we all took pay cuts, all of us. Um, so we all dropped down um, a, a day a week in salary, but carried on working the same amount of time. We've now paid everyone back for that sort of loss in salary. Um, so uh, you know, we haven't lost anything. But um, yeah, I'll jump in, uh, John. Yes. Uh, so m- myself and the two, my two other partners, both, um, all three of us took a took a cut. Um, we we won't earn this year what we probably would have hoped to, but to a degree, what you earn in the first couple of years of a startup is um, uh, is not what you might have been accustomed to in a full-time salary job anyway. So um, I think we have a, a degree of flex built into our expectations anyway. And actually, like Ben says, our priority is to build the business and get the best people in, in, you know, in the business into it. So you know, that comes first and, and our own salary comes second, uh, not with okay. mortgages to pay. <laughs> yeah, well, the last question because we're running out of time. So 2021, a year's time, Hypothetically, that the pandemic disappeared, what do you think will be the, the one lasting change we'll see a year on, uh, Ben? Um, what is the one lasting? I think more people will, uh, the flexible working hours, I think, will definitely become a, a more of a thing. Uh, and, and Sally? Flexibility is standard practice rather than it having to be asked for. Okay, that's great, short and brief. And, and finally, Will, give you the last word. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I'm quite intrigued about the um, about the kind of ongoing battle about brand purpose. Actually, you know, I used to be um, very much on the side of um, if anyone follows Mark Ritson, who is a brilliant brand purpose, wary brand purpose skeptic that basically goes, you know, tell me your beer tastes good. Don't tell, you know, don't try and solve the world's problems. But actually, I'm kind of wondering now that maybe, maybe the world is becoming a more thoughtful place, and maybe corporations are going to be less psychopathically uh, uh, in pursuit of growth. And, uh, and, and kind of realise that they have to do something useful in the world as well and pay their taxes and stuff. I'm kind of looking at IKEA and recycling and Morrison's giving out food packages. So maybe some of that will stick around. Right, OK, that's fantastic. Uh, will, Sally, Ben, thank you very much. That's been the Media and Marketing Podcast. Flexibility is standard practice rather than it having to be asked for.